One does not simply walk into geekdom. You're entering the Nerd United Nations podcast. You're a nerd. Damn right. I'm a nerd. Naturally. All things geek are up for grabs. Music. Sketch comedy or sitcoms. Doctor Who. I love Tim. Bert. The Flash. Green Lantern. The Trinity. Batman. Superman. Wonder Woman. The Joker. Wait a minute. I want to talk about the Joker. Star Wars. Love me some Star Wars. Magic. I'm an art guy. Paranormal. Halloween is life. Now, here's your ambassadors, Melissa Nicholson and Jared Boots. Hello, nerds and nerdettes, junior ambassadors, boys and girls of all ages. Welcome to the Nerd Night Nations podcast. Happy Thanksgiving to all of our American listeners, or as we're going to call it today, Fapiano. That's right, you read the title correctly. We're talking about the 1988 uh, two-part episode of ALF called Turkey in the Straw, Part 1 and 2. We want to do something nice for Thanksgiving, something off the beaten track, off the beaten trail, to say it correctly. I cannot talk about ALF alone, so... I am joined today at the Fapiano table by my co-ambassador, Melissa Nicholson. Melissa, have a seat. I saved a spot for you next between Dudley and the vegetables. Yay! <laughs> Best seat in the house. <laughs> you and Dudley didn't used to take baths together, did you? No. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Lynn. <laughs> Tell you, Lynn is the real MVP of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> so, most I know we're a few weeks past of, uh, or almost what a month past of Canadian Thanksgiving. So, happy American Thanksgiving. Happy Fapiano to you. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so, did you bring any uh, gifts to put under the Fapiano tree? Yes, I did. I brought like I brought one. <laughs> <laughs> Was it a dog biscuit? <laughs> nope. <laughs> You'll find out. <laughs> I can't tell you because it's a secret. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Is it the secret that it will be singing uh, Das Cornucopia at the end of this episode? Uh, I don't know. Maybe. Watch for breaking glass. Yep. Uh, so here in American Thanksgiving, we decided to talk about, I wanted to do something for Thanksgiving down here in the States that you don't get a lot. Usually, well, everybody's starting to get the Christmas spirit this time of year. And, uh, and usually the only special that gets a real lot of talk about is the Charlie Brown Thanksgiving. And if you pay attention to the book of faces last year, that special was under a lot of fire. A 40 something year old specials under fire. Thanks millennials. <laughs> <laughs> uh, before I jump in guys, I want to apologize for my voice. I have been fighting a head cold for like about the last week at the time of this recording. 
down here in America, I'm probably sure it's the same with Ken. Down here in America, it's the time of year where Mother Nature can't make up its mind to what it wants to be. One day it's 50 degrees and sunny, next day it's 30 degrees and snowing. So I'm a little bit of a head cold, but I'm going to trudge through it for you guys. <clears throat> so, as I said earlier in the intro, we are talking about the two-part episode, Turkey in the Straw, parts one and two from ALF. It was episode seven and eight of season three, and it aired back in 1988. Of course, if you are familiar with ALF, um, I believe is back with episode two and a half or... No, one and a half when we talked about our favorite live action television shows, I had Alf on my, uh, what was this, like number six and number seven? I should have gone back and listened before uh, we went on like, air. I feel like it was number six, but don't quote it me on that. seems right. Yeah. Like, it wasn't, it wasn't the, like your top five, but it was sort of, like, just below it. So, I don't think you're wrong. But, uh... Alf starred uh, Paul Fusco, who was the vo- creator of the show and the voice of Alf. Uh, the late great Max Wright, who we just lost just past just this past year, actually, as the head of the Tanner family, Willie Tanner. He had Ann Schneiden as Kate Tanner, Andrea Elson as Lynn Tanner. And for the record, I have said many times that Christina Ricci was one of my first crushes as a kid. Andrea Elson was up there too. And uh, you also had Benji Gregory as Brian Tanner. And uh, with this episode, we had a very special guest star, which I thought would uh, hook Melissa into this with her MASH connections. Uh, David Ogden Stiers as Flaky Pete Flanagan. Is it Flanagan? Flanagan. Flanagan, yes. Damn, I just watched it again last night. (laughs) Watched the show for 30 years. (laughs) (laughs) Get your names right, dude. Come on. <laughs> David Acton Styers. At least I got his actual name right. I was worried about that. <laughs> <laughs> he's part He's part of the... Um, me and him are part of the... We have uh, the a Funny Last Name Club. Which, if I did my research last night, uh, David Acton Styers passed away last year? Yes. Yeah. Yes, as I mentioned, we lost uh, Max Wright earlier this year, which was sad. Well, part of my childhood passed away. You know, I only see him in Alf and Norm show. Then he had a brief cameo in Grumpy Year Old Men back in the 90s. But, uh, so Melissa, was this your first time watching these episodes? It was, actually. Um, I like I had heard of Alf before. I'm not completely naive to it, and I, you know, but it wasn't something that I'd ever seen or had watched. So yeah, these these two episodes was the first time actually watching the show, and uh, it just it's totally '80s. You know, it was my first thought. It was like, oh my gosh, it just like just like oozes '80s vibes and feel, and and there's a really fun. Um, I found it really fun to watch, and I, I think after this, I'm going to watch a little bit more of it because quite enjoyed it. So it is a great show, and it, like you said, it does reek of the '80s. Like, well, for example, the episode aired in 1988. For crying out loud! <laughs> but uh, what we were 
So what were your actual thoughts on the episode itself, other than just on the show itself? What was your reaction to this episode, or two-parter? I thought it was it was fun. Um, that, that was my first thought. It was like, it was fun, it's funny, and, you know, it definitely... I wasn't expecting it to be as, like, short episode as it was. Like, it was like, oh, you kind of get into it, and then it's... It, well, this one was a two-parter as well, but... Um, no, it was good. Um, yeah. It's very... It's not complicated. It's simple. It's, you know... Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, much thought on it, but, yeah. And it follows a very fitting... Th- it. It follows a simple formula of what the show is. Alf, uh, for those who've never watched Alf, um, <coughs> Alf is a, Alf's real name is Gordon Shumway. He's an alien from the planet Melmac who uh, his planet exploded and he crashed into the Tanner's uh, garage. And he's been living with them ever since. He has to stay hidden, uh, mostly from the nosy neighbors, the Akmonics, mostly uh, Raquel Akmonic. Uh, gotta stay hidden from the alien task force and everybody else. But this show, this episode, like the others, follows the same formula of Alf gets discovered by somebody who's not part of the Tanners. Hijinks and Sue. But um, this is a don't. This is a little bit of a heavier episode than most, I think, just because of the themes they're going with Thanksgiving and dealing with. Uh, Styers' character being a, a bum or homeless person. As they go, Kate and Willie go back and forth. Bum, <laughs> homeless person. <laughs> <laughs> you're you're the MASH expert. I've seen a handful of MASH episodes, but I, I got a very MASH vibe out of it with the blend of the humor and the heavy stuff, the heavy tones. Definitely, yeah. Um, I thought it was, like... Obviously, like my first time, you know, seeing it, so I felt it was light, but it was that little bit heavier, which is what Mash was. It was very much that, like they called it. Um, I remember in an interview with Jamie Farr, and he said that, you know, Mash was a what they they called a dramedy, so part drama, part comedy. And that's what kind of this episode was. Like, there was a little bit, a little bit, like, not so much, like, you know, depressing drama or anything like that. But there was that heavier, heavier topics along with the lighthearted humor, you know, brought in to kind of, you know, balance out that sort of, you know, heavier topics. And, and yeah, that's what, yeah, MASH did, too. It was, it definitely got heavier as you went through the later seasons, like definitely the sort of the last few years were definitely very heavy and, and a little bit more thought provoking and, and just a little bit deeper look into, you know, their life and everything like that. But yeah. Um, this episode certainly has that, that balance. And and this was probably as heavy as it got. Like they have, they've had episodes before where it dealt with, um, uh, Kate had a friend from high school or college that had a drinking problem, and when she discovers Alf, Alf tries to play it off as uh, an imaginary. Uh, she, Kate's friend sees a imaginary friend, and she starts drinking. So that's what Alf uses that as a 
mechanism to get her to quit drinking or all kinds of, but I'd say this is probably one of the heaviest it got and had to deal with the homeless issue in America. And, but, uh, let's go ahead and jump into the episode. The episode starts off with, uh, the Tanners discovering that one thing Alf is known for is Alf eats a lot. Uh, I think it was like season four. He has this, what he calls a midnight feeding frenzy where he just wipes out everything in the kitchen, just eats it. But, uh, Tanner's come home to discover that, uh, well, I watched an edited version on the DVDs of the episodes. It opened up with me, uh, for me, it opened up with Alf sitting at the table talking about Fapiano and Melmac. Mm. But I could have sworn I was a kid that it opened up with something else. I don't remember it being that, that hard of an open to, uh, I want to say they came home from the grocery store or something in it. But uh, but yeah, the show opens and uh, Alf talking about Fapiano and Melmac and of course those who know Alf he ate cats so it always of course what else would Melmacian eat on Thanksgiving but a stuffed cat and as we all know Alf is partial to the dark meat <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it is later discovered that Alf eats the whole turkey is it eighteen pound turkey. Yeah, something like that. 18 pounds. He ate, a, he ate an 18 pound turkey raw. <laughs> <laughs> what, what did they say? Turkey, the turkey's pretty thin or pretty light. You know, it's turkey sushi. <laughs> turkey sushi. <laughs> <laughs> so. Alf's shenanigans have caused the ten- has now ruined Thanksgiving. What three minutes into the episode? <laughs> so uh, Willie is then forced with the believe what the day before Thanksgiving to go out and try to find a turkey, which of course he doesn't, and he comes home with Cornish game hens. <laughs> <laughs> so what'd you say the? So when Willie comes home from well, here's when our two plots overact overlap now is uh when a willie comes home from oh well, as before willie comes home from the grocery store with with his findings at the grocery store mrs akmanik uh comes over and uh tells kate about there's been a bum or homeless person that's been rooting around the neighborhood going somebody's been feeding him and leaving him out clothes and all that stuff. So, of course, he's going to be like a stray cat. He's just hanging around. And that's when Willie walks in. All he's able to find, poor Willie is able to find Cornish game hens. To which point, Mrs. Zachmonic invites them over to the Zachmonic residence for Thanksgiving. So this far in the episode, do you have any moments that stuck out to you? Um... Not really any moments in the, in that part, but it was it was funny. It was like, you know, um, you know, you got you know the, um, oh boy, why am I blanking? Oh boy, the <laughs> oh, um, the, you know the the grocery store he ran out of turkey, you know, so he had to get the other the. Cornish hens? Cornish game hens. Game hens, that's it. 
Wow, sorry guys. Oh, synapse is not snapping. Anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> and, he, and then like she keeps like saying that, you know, like they, you got these. Well, the grocery store was out. <laughs> Just like you know, don't judge me. I, I think found my, something, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I did like the how Willie kept. I love how Willie kept making excuses to not go over that. Maybe I should try driving farther up the coast. <laughs> For those that don't know, uh, Alf takes place in California. I want to say it's Burbank. I want to say it's Bur- I know it's a, it's a suburb of California. I want to say it was. I'm almost ninety percent sure it's Burbank, but I'll probably look it up later. I'll be wrong. But I love how he'd rather drive farther up the California coast than to go next door to the Ironics. <laughs> but I think my favorite joke from this first few minutes of the episode has to be uh, right before Mrs. Akmonic walks in, and of course Alf has to do the song of dance, song and dance of hiding whenever somebody comes over. Other than the people who know Alf is there, it's so it's much like the lists on Flash and Green Arrow. Who knows? Who knows? Ollie and Barry are the Flash and Green Arrow. There's a list of like essentially a list of people who know Alf exists. Of course, the Akmonics are not on that list, so Alf has to hide whenever the Akmonics come in or come over. But I love that line right before when it's revealed that he ate the turkey and half the sweet potato pie. And the other half he left for, what do you name him? Nicknamed him Ed? Yeah. <laughs> when uh, <laughs> uh, Kate asks Alf, why do I put up with you? <laughs> he goes, because I'm the sunshine of your life. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh. That's right. I forgot. <laughs> Just that sincere reply from Alf and that deadpan <laughs> reply back from uh, from Kate. I love that kind of dry response. That was great. Yeah. <laughs> so if I'm not mistaken, then we cut to. Willie going outside and checking the trash cans for all the clothes and everything had been left out. Oh, because it's revealed that uh, Alf left the mon- uh, the Italian sweater out for Ed. <laughs> um, to which case, uh, which point uh, Willie goes outside to check the trash cans and and he runs into Ed, who turns out to be Flaky Pete Flanagan, played by David Ogden Styers. <laughs> And one moment I always remembered from this ep- one of the few moments I always remembered as a kid from this episode was uh, the first interaction between Willie and Pete was that's my sweater. They weren't planning on keeping it, were you? <laughs> or the whole, especially the whole discussion about the crowbar, as I remember the most as a kid. Like, and that's your crowbar. <laughs> You're gonna keep the sweater? I was until I saw the crowbar. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but one thing I never noticed, there's actually two things I never noticed watching it with fresh eyes at uh, 30 some odd years later was one with Pete reading the star map in the Willie's garage. Um, so I, com- I don't know how I completely missed when I was a kid about him having, uh, you find out later, and I think it's part two where he was part of the space. Uh, he was part of a space research team for whatever branch of the military he was serving in. 
but I completely missed the fact that he was reading the star map when uh, Willie walks in on him in the garage. And uh, another thing I noticed, too, did you notice uh, on Willie's monogrammed sweater that the letters were coming off? No. I didn't notice Wait, that. Every time the W... If you look closely on his chest, there's a W and a T, because I think Kate mentioned she had it monogrammed for Willie. Yeah. And uh, I was looking at the letters on the sweater, and whenever the overcoat rubs up against them, you see the letters move. So it's almost like the letters are peeling off on the sweater. (laughs) (laughs) Melissa, you're at the... To be fair, <laughs> Kate did spring for an Italian sweater. That's true. So maybe she had to save a few bucks and get it cheaply monogrammed. <laughs> <laughs> so Melissa, your thoughts on uh, introduction of Flaky Pete? I thought he was um, Flaky Pete. I thought he was kind of funny. Like he's he's kind of quirky. Like you kind of you know you don't really kind of get to know him at first and then it's sort of like okay he's not you know he's he's the homeless person but he's not like you know he's got intelligence he's got you know he kind of learned more about him and and uh yeah and i just you know oh i um i think i saw an alien or i see an alien and what does it look like it's weird <laughs> it's weird <laughs> it's weird <laughs> <laughs> Could you describe weird, sir? <laughs> well, so like I said, you were you were uh, the Mash fan of the of the pod of the show. Um, you think this was like a little bit of a like you said uh, you considered Flash or Mash was considered to be a dramedy. Mm-hmm. And Styers had his did have his moments on the sh- on Mash where he was funny, but he seemed to be more of the but of the jokes. So, yes. so what do you think of him being more of the uh, joke provider as opposed to the, as opposed to being the butt of the jokes? I, I thought it was kind of good. Like it was, you know, really I had only, um, only had seen him in MASH as Charles Emerson Winchester. And, uh, so to see him in this sort of different environment, it was it was kind of neat to see. Like he was, yeah, he wasn't the butt of the jokes. He was, you know, giving the jokes. He was kind of that, I don't know, that little bit of like that plucky comic relief, you know, for the episode. Like he brought that. Like he gets himself into hot water with the, you know, the alien task force. And he's like, Ugh! trying to, you know, figure out how to fix, the, you know, the problem once he meets Alf. Because, well, okay, he's not you know, threatening or anything. He's a friendly guy, you know, friendly alien, you know, and I thought that well, was... Put a, pin that a, put, put a pin in that thought, because I want to bring that up later <laughs> at the end. But, anyway, it was, yeah, I like seeing him in that in that light, like, just being that, that um, you know, that joke bringer and, and that sort of, that, that bringing that balance to, like, that you know the the heavier topics and the humor, so yeah, it's kind of neat to see him in that that kind of role. 
And he he doesn't he does not take too well to Willie offering him help. He takes it as uh, Willie giving him the boot when Willie's only trying to help him. Like I said, um, mm. like if you don't know the show, <laughs> Willie works in social service uh, social services. So he he's often he's offering to help uh, Pete get back on his feet, or at least get into a shelter for the weekend and over the holiday, mm-hmm. and try to help him with his job. But Pete does take. Offense to that pretty quickly, actually. Yeah, he's kind of like, oh, you know, offer whatever and, you know, get the hell out of here or whatever he says. Like, whatever uh, that, the line is. But, you this know. This morning it's a sweater and sweet potato pie. Then now it's get the hell out of here. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of a thing, though. You know, it's like, you know, would somebody in that, you know, that situation really, like, you know, take offense to that. It's like, well, there's somebody trying to help, right? You know, and he's all like, yeah, you know, genuine. genuine. Maybe he more got hooked. It's not like he probably got hooked up on more of the fuck that Willie was offering to get him to a shelter. That must have been the thing he was hung up on was the whole shelter thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can kind of see that. Like, oh, you're just going to, like, you know, drop me off here and that's it kind of thing. So you, you can kind of see where he's coming from there. Yeah. So I don't think Willie got much of a. Willie didn't get too far past like, hey, on Monday I can do that. He, I think once Pete heard shelter, it was like, okay, I get the hint. You don't want me here. See you later. Yeah. Like he couldn't so now, just get the hell out and he'd, you know, but it was just him being nice. Uh, now we cut to the next day, Thanksgiving Day, and the Tanners are heading over to the Akmonic residence against, I guess you could say they're less than enthused <laughs> to go to the Akmonics for Thanksgiving. <laughs> Do you remember what they were told to bring to the Akmonics? Um, nope. <laughs> bring a chair. Bring a chair and bring your appetite. <laughs> Come on, Melissa, they're holding chairs as we're talking about it. <laughs> and they talk about their plans, how they're going to be gone just for a little while, because, of course, Alf cannot be left alone for being... Uh, how old is he? I know I'm going to kick myself later. I want to say Alf is in his 200s. So Alf is essentially like a toddler. He needs to be watched at all times. can't be left alone for too long. But I did get a kick out of the, uh, the lists of do's and don'ts that... Alpha's allowed, had to, has to follow while the tanners are gone. <laughs> so what is Alf allowed to do while the tanners are gone? Um, I don't even remember that list. It's really sad. I just watched this. Um, I don't know. I'm completely blanking. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> 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 Three pages into the list, which I love the I love the dramatic I love the setup for Willie hitting the turn two pages before he gets what Alf's allowed to do, and it's do have a nice and quiet Thanksgiving. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh, you often read a lot of. Uh, it's well known that. I don't know if I mentioned this on on the episode two where we talked about favorite television shows, how much of Alf, how it was very tense on set on Alf. 
mostly for the human actors because it took so long to get the puppet into place and a lot of said a lot they said have said that uh Alf got all the best lines, which I I disagree. Like Willie gets a Max Wright does get quite a few lines, but I guess he was the most notorious one on there because I guess as soon as they started, as soon as they stopped filming the last episode, Max Wright grabbed his stuff and left set right away. Mm. But uh, so this episode alone too, Willie gets a lot of good lines in there. Yeah. Like, do we, like, know why it was tense like that? Like, or they just, nobody really got along with each other. Well, if you, like you say, you take you take it with a grain of salt. I read it on IMDb, like, the mm-hmm. main points of contention were that, like, it took so long to get the puppet ready, to get it, the shot set up and get everything ready. So long shooting days. And then, like I said, the puppet got all the good lines, or most of the good lines. So I think Anne Sheen has said something in an interview, but I, I think Max Wright has probably been the most obvious. But I, I've never heard any of the actors specifically say anything, but like I say, you take what you read on IMDb at the grain of salt. But like it says on there that so tense that he's either that or Wikipedia right on the, the Max Wright was so uh, upset with the whole thing that he just, stormed off set as soon as they finished the last episode mm. <clears throat> so now we cut over um now uh, yeah we cut over to the akamonic household one thing i did notice too is the different changes of the time of day because it seemed like when they cut to the outside of the akamonic's house it's like well not sunny but it's brighter out tanner house it's not as bright and then when when the alien task force shows up and uh pete goes up to turn himself in that it's brighter out there too but i just also a little bit of a light lighting change from the exterior of the tanner house to the exterior of the akamonic house mm-hmm. <clears throat> so while the tanner is over at the akamonic's house alf is having himself a little fapiano party or fapiano meal all by himself in the kitchen uh, like i mentioned earlier um the episode when I watched this on DVD, I watched the episodes on DVD and it cut out. There's a scene where Alf is right before he blows, tries to blow out the trick candle. He sings a variation of happy birthday only with, it says happy fappy to me, happy fappy to me. I'll try to sing it in the episode. Cause he like, sneaks in this long winded statement before he says, happy fappy to me. <laughs> and he tried, he, and Alf, so amused with those shenanigans, gives himself a trick candle for his meatloaf. <laughs> so the next few minutes are really bounced back and forth. I think the remainder of this episode and a few minutes of the of part two bounces back and forth between the Tanner household and the Akmonic household. And um, so like a not even five minutes into being at the Akmonic's house, Lynn's already asking to be excused because she needs to sit next to Dudley and the vegetables. And of course, Dudley is a relative of the Akmonic's who Lynn used to take baths with as a, as a child. And besides the crowbar scene, I, I do remember the whole thing with Dudley too during this episode too as a kid, but 
I don't remember the dog biscuit thing, but I do remember him, like, remember we used to take baths together? Which even now, 30 years later, I'm like, like, okay, like, maybe, like, cousins and grandkids, like, taking baths together, but why with a random random relative of your next-door neighbor? (laughs) Yeah, that's kind of... The tanners used to babysit... I guess only I can... Justifies maybe the Akmonics babysit babysat Lynn and Brian or at least Lynn or Willie and Kate babysat Dudley. Maybe. Well, well here we have Mrs. Akmonic trying to be uh Cupid for Lynn and Dudley. Which Lynn clearly ain't having it and she needs to break away like five minutes after they get to the Akmonics house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't God, blame God, him. Oh, the, mid- the Midwest, the Midwesterner in me says, "God bless Dudley's heart." We've all met guys like that, right? People like that. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, around this time is now uh, Pete is. I don't necessarily like skulking back around the backyards of the Tanner residence once again. So wherever he went after Willie kicked him out the day before, he's back already. (laughs) And he happens to see Alf sitting in the kitchen talking to Lynn. And uh, do you remember what Lynn brought Alf to eat from the Akmonic household? It was uh, dessert that. Alf calls rubber vomit. <laughs> Pumpkin jello. <laughs> yes. So the the Akmonics the Akmonics were putting pumpkin spice and things before it became cool. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I do remember the rubber vomit joke too as a kid. Rubber vomit. <laughs> It really doesn't look that great. <laughs> it does not look appetizing at all. Even after watching it again, it it looks like the it looks just like the squash that Willie gets thrown at him a few minutes later in the episode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it looks awful. <laughs> I'm glad it's not a thing. That would be. Although maybe it is. I don't know. <laughs> Could be, it could be. So we live in the age where everything is pumpkin spiced. Like it's like we just said, the Akmonics were putting pumpkin and everything before it was cool. <laughs> so you never know. <laughs> so Lynn and Alf are just shooting the shit. Wow, the whole thing over at that Monks are waiting for Uncle Rocky to carve the turkey, and as you saw, Uncle Rocky is not the speediest pump turkey carver in the world he is definitely savoring his time <laughs> but uh <laughs> then we get the joke that uh we get the joke that uh Lynn is warning alf that the akmonics are going to sing das cornucopia from the feaster fam was it the feaster famine right yeah the feaster famine while uncle rocky carves a turkey and alf gives the joke i'll watch out for broken glass <laughs> <laughs> I 
And we do we do get another name drop from Dudley too in the episode. <laughs> like you don't you don't get to hear the whole conversation because we're focused on Pete mm-hmm. spying through the window and we get the end of the episode with him calling the alien task force. I've just seen an alien. What do I do? Mm-hmm. Cut the credits. Yeah. We, we pick back up the next episode with a little quick recap of what happened. And then uh, Pete talking to the alien task force, which now they're also trying to, Alien Task Force is their short staff for the holiday, and it's what two guys working as Agent Fox, and I can't remember the other agent, but uh, watching the football game, and they're trying to pass Pete off as a kook or a wackadoo for the fake sighting. uh, One thing I noticed watching this episode last night, how oblivious was Lynn? She walks, well, first of all, she said she brought the Jello over from next door. She left a container on top of the microwave, mm-hmm. and then walks right by Pete. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's, uh, pretty, I don't know tunnel vision, maybe. Uh, <laughs> Pete Pete was not a Pete was not a small man. <laughs> no, he hid. He literally hid right underneath her. So. Yeah. Lynn Tanner, tunnel, tunnel vision like a motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. Like, I kind of thought about that, too. I'm like, how do you not? Or, like, think you saw something move. Like, he, he's not really being that stealth. <laughs> uh, I, I, I could see them hiding. Like, him being able to hide was outside the window because, well... Even though Alf's facing the window, his his focus is directed on Lynn, and Lynn's the window don't be in her periphery. So I can see Pete hiding there, but mm. like Lynn, you he's literally like two feet underneath your nose. How did you miss him? <laughs> but uh, but I did love how you mentioned earlier about how uh, Pete's describing Alf as weird. Was it he's covered in fur, has big ears, and a a snout the size of Nebraska. Yep. <laughs> Which the alien task force keeps continuing to. They're still pushing Pete off of some kind of whack. Oh, maybe this is a dog or what's yeah. he doing? Well, he's sitting in the kitchen flinging silverware. <laughs> oh, just got the cat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what brings the alien ta- what brings the alien task force into believing Pete is that this address has been reported as a second sighting because in the first episode of the show, Mrs. Zachmonic calls the alien task force. The alien task force comes to the Tanner house. So this is the only thing that uh, gets them to believe Pete. Mm-hmm. So uh, let's see your thoughts on the end of the first episode and the. Lead into the second episode. Um, um, I thought, yeah, um, you know, it was good. It just shows like it's that, like, you know, okay, sort of, um, oh boy, words. Why am I having trouble with words? Anyway, uh, don't mind me. <laughs> 
Um, it's like that, you know, nothing much, you know, happens in sort of that first episode. And then it's like that second episode is where everything, you know, you get the alien task force and, and all that stuff. And, you know, <clears throat> you know, you almost, it almost leads you to think like that for, you know, in the first episode that like, you know, oh, they're not going to believe, you know, Pete and, you know, and then, oh, it's his second sighting. Well, we better take this seriously now. And he's like, oh, <laughs> kind of like, oh, God, what have I done now? <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was good. And then, you know, that, like, you know, that next episode, he's going to be, like, you know, figuring out the his sort of newfound problem. And, yeah. But uh, fun first episode, definitely. Oh, I should say the episode ends with Pete walking into the kitchen and yeah. introducing himself, and you get the rut row. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, shit. <laughs> Don't talk to strangers. <laughs> Which season, season three, Alf has been this predicament many times. Mm hmm. But uh, I do like how Alpha's trying to play himself off. Alpha as a dog, even though Pete's like, I know, I know you could talk. And he just keeps going and going and going with it. And... <laughs> Which now uh, Pete meeting Willie at the beginning of the, the first episode comes into play, where that's how he's able to get Alf's trust, and he's instructed by the alien task force to keep, oh, keep essentially what keep an eye on, keep an eye on the alien until. Keep an eye on Alf until they get there. Which I don't know how far away they're driving from, but it takes them a long time to get there. It really does. It seems like it takes forever. It's like, seriously? And then, you know, they make their plan of, oh, we'll, you know, we'll call once and then you, you know, you answer it, whatever. And then we'll show up. It's like, really? <laughs> he could have shown up like five minutes ago, guys. <laughs> uh <laughs> and it's never shown, and it, 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 we didn't mention that Pete has a, a cordless phone in his pocket, in his overcoat, and it's the Tanner's phone, which <laughs> I never wondered as a kid, but it's like, how did the Tanners not know their cordless phone was missing? Unless it was just specifically out in the kitchen or out in the garage. Maybe. How did they come? How did he come across that? Or how did he not know he it wasn't missing? Yeah, you'd think you'd think you'd notice it, but I don't know. Maybe they just genuinely were oblivious and just didn't think to look for their phone or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, and it, it seemed. I'm, I'm almost ninety percent. <laughs> I'm almost ninety percent sure that uh, the Tanners have a kitchen phone too. So it made me wonder wonder why the Tanner the the kitchen phone doesn't ring either whenever the task force is calling Alf. Yeah. Or Colin Pete, I meant. I'm sorry. Oh, Colin yeah. Pete. But we do love that first joke of, uh, hey, Pete, your coat's ringing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what's that? Like, you have an answering machine in your pants? <laughs> you, should, you, should, you should get an answering machine in your pants. <laughs> I think he's just like, like, what the second, second time at the task force calls, he go and drops that one in. <laughs> yeah. 
You know, you're saying what, like, you know, they had the, like, the phone in the kitchen. It's like, that didn't ring. It's like, that's true. It was only the one phone. So it's like, you'd Ooh, think. But I'm, I, I'm almost certain that Lynn has her, I think <laughs> Lynn has her own phone line. Hmm. But I don't know how, uh, unless they had a separate phone line for the garage, too. <coughs> yeah. Maybe. And then that one Pete phone. just came across a phone. Yeah, picked it up and dialed. <laughs> and he does kind of hesitate, like, oh, what's, you know, like, what's your, your phone number or whatever? And he's like, oh, and he sees the, like, number on the phone. Almost like, oh, could be right. I don't know. But just gives him that number anyway. <laughs> yeah, let's at least give him props for uh, knowing the Alien Task Force phone number off the top of his head. Right. <laughs> Before, before, before Google. Yeah. First. Hey Siri, what's the phone number for Alien Task Force? Yeah. Whoops, sorry, I turned Siri on. Whoops. <laughs> okay, she didn't understand what I was asking anyway. <laughs> yeah, when people used so, to phone numbers. <laughs> before I could. I could probably remember. I can remember a few off the top of my head. I'm almost sure. But um, <clears throat> so Pete's given the task of keeping Alf busy, and uh, bravo to Pete for not missing a beat. Just speaking in uh, metaphors. Alf is none the wiser of who Pete is talking to. Alf is up led to the assumption he's talking to his mom. <laughs> Yeah. So I told you to keep a pin in the discussion where Pete decides to turn himself into the alien task force, say he was the alien this whole time. Mm. I was going to ask you a little bit later on the episode, but this is the first example of, I believe it's the second phone call when General Fox mentions that he wants to kill Alf. Or possibly kill him, or um, that's what Alf gets a little suspicious. You know, oh, that we that turkey's been in our family for years. What's the turkey's name? General Fox. <laughs> 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 but uh, I was going to ask at the end of the episode: at what point do you think Pete realizes he doesn't need, he shouldn't turn Alf in? Is it a when Fox brings up? That he wants to dissect, kill, and dissect Alf. Is it Willie's speech when Willie comes back when they find out that Pete's over there, or do you think it's during the bonding time that he has with Alf that he decides that he needs to turn himself in? I think it's um, during that sort of bonding time, like getting to know Alf, and then also that, yeah, when he wants to, and then also like yeah, when he wants to dissect him, and you know. Um, not necessarily, you know, keep him alive. Is that his second sort of like, yeah, I need to fix this problem. Like he didn't, he didn't realize. I don't think he really thought what the implications would be of his, of his like calling the alien task force and all that. And so he's like, oh crap, I better, you know, kind of. He realizes what he's done, and he, you know, he obviously he. Besides, I'm going to pretend to be an alien and, you know, turn myself in so that, you know, um, 
Elf doesn't get, you know, taken by them. So, yeah, I think it's those those two moments definitely. Because you yeah, know, first... I really believe he. I believe when he when <laughs> uh, Sergeant Fox mentions dissection, possible killing and dissection of Elf. That's when Pete realizes his mistake. Mm-hmm. But. Um... Just, I really think he. I think I really think his mind gets changed when he's bonding with Alf because you see like an actual connection. That's one thing Alf does. Alf does build like a connection with a lot of these people who discover him apart from the Tanners. And I think the 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 final nail in the coffin was Willie's speech. So we uh, skip a little bit. Uh, Jake Akmonic, who is a was a recurring character who discovered Alf was in like season two, I believe. Late season one, maybe mid season two, when he was introduced. Um, so he knows who Alf is. Well, him and Brian sneak over because Uncle. Here we are. What half hour later, Rocky is still carving the turkey, and the Akmonix had, had did sing uh, Das Cornucopia, which Alf preluded to. There was breaking glass, <laughs> with, <laughs> but uh, but uh, the Tanners are none the wiser of what's going on next door until Brian and Jake come over while uh. Pete and Alf are drinking in the living room, look going over, share, essentially swapping war stories like war buddies. Mm-hmm. But uh, is it during this time, which is something I wanted as soon as I saw this moment in the episode, I wanted to bring it up with you. The little kid at the Thanksgiving table that flings squash all over Willie. Something I'm sure you're all too familiar with, huh? <laughs> In your line of work? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yep. Oh, yeah. That, that happens, well, not often, but it, it happens. You know, kids. And... <laughs> oh, yeah. I think this was probably this... my first example. I think this was my first example of best friend parenting. Yeah. <laughs> that kid had to be, what, two or three. So, just being a kid, but at the same time, I think it's the mom's response. Like, is this my is this my first example? Is this my introduction to best friend parenting? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> but I do love the comments that Willie makes about how, well, how the turkey is sliced. <laughs> <laughs> well, it should be deli- perfectly sliced. He had to wait like what two hours for it. Right. <laughs> you know, it, it takes forever to carve a turkey. <laughs> the only time I car- the only time I carved a turkey in my life, I made a turkey in my life. I think if I want to get it down to the bone, I think it probably took me no more than a half hour. Hmm. Yeah. Well, Rocky had Uncle Rocky has to be a man of at least seventy in this, and I I made a turkey about three years ago. So, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Jake and Brian come back and they loot. They tip off Willie to. Uh, well, we also skip over the fact that while they're waiting for Uncle Rocky to carve the turkey, we get more Dudley action with uh, him offering Kate a dog or offering Lynn a dog biscuit. <laughs> They're really good. 
Because, yeah, that's what you do. <laughs> you know what? This is, this, this is five years after. Have you seen A Christmas Story? Yes. No, no, Siri, I wasn't talking to you. I said A Christmas Story. <laughs> uh, do you remember when Ralphie's waiting in the department store for Santa? And you get the kid in front of him. I like the Wizard of Oz. <laughs> yes. What if... What if that's Dudley? Oh, God. <laughs> the timing yeah. could be about accurate. That's true. That, that could... Yeah? <laughs> that could happen. <laughs> Dudley moved away. Dudley moved away from the Midwest in 1983 to move, move to the... To move to uh, the West Coast with his family. Uh, I I like the Tin Man. You want a dog biscuit? They're really good. <laughs> yeah, that. Uh, yeah, yeah. They're totally the same person. But can't, <laughs> but can't confirm. I've eaten a couple dog biscuits in my day. Can't confirm. I wouldn't say really good, but not as bad as you think they would taste. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I did. It. I did it for a good cause. My my grandmother had a poodle that was was not was sick, wasn't eating her treats. Okay. So to try to incentivize the dog to eat the treat, like she's like Jared's gonna take your biscuit. So I took it and took a bite out of it. So my heart was in the right place. Yeah. There was a method to my madness. Not just, oh, I just that was, tried that was dog <laughs> Tried that too. <laughs> it was like, this is good 10 years ago, though, when I've done this. It's been a, in my late teens, early 20s, I did some weird shit, like eating dog biscuits and um, bacon strips and stuff. I also lived on the street from a Ralston Perino plant, so I could I smelled begging strips tonight when I got home from the gym. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lovely smell. <laughs> that smells the least of your concerns in Clinton. <laughs> oh God! But uh, <laughs> so back to the show, and we're back. So. Really getting the tip from Jake that uh, there's a stranger in the house named Pete. Uh, Willie known it's Pete from earlier. Rush the Tanners rush back to the house, make sure Alf's okay. And this is one of the times you do see that this, this, as frustrating as Alf is on the Tanners, as much of a burden he is on the Tanners. This is where you you they, a moment where they show that they really do care about Alf, other than the fact that they've been protecting him and feeding him all of these years at this point. But how I, I I don't recall Willie ever threatening anybody uh, over Ralph's safety. I don't ever recall Willie overreacting that much to the point he did that. If anything happens, to, if anything happened to him, I like I've never seen Willie go that far. Mm. I don't know if this is the prior interaction. If this mm. is this is what's motivating it. But uh, I don't ever recall Willie 
getting that defensive or standoffish about it, which what he is he is doing with good intentions to protect Alf, but I've never seen I guess the point I'm trying to make is I've never seen Willie be that uh be that way when it comes to this topic. Mm. Yeah. Like he's Yeah, he's fairly like uh chill about it. And they, He's, and they, yeah. they, they break, they break the, t- they break the tension with a joke too. With uh, Alf makes his presence known. Oh, well, he's fine. He walks in the door. Alf, Willie. Kate walks in. Alf, Willie. <laughs> Alf, Willie. Alf, Willie. It's <laughs> 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 like that. I just like that last one where he says, "Like Willie, I'm Ron Burgundy." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I think I'd say it's probably the point where Pete realizes, and Willie tells him, like, hey, he's got nowhere to go. We got to keep him safe. And I think this is what this is, like I said, mentioned a few minutes ago, this is the. Drives the point home for Pete. Like, I cannot let... With the alien task force closing in soon, within minutes, this drives the point home for Pete. Like, I cannot turn Alf over to the alien task force. But <clears throat> I guess you can almost... Because comp- Alf just gets along with Pete so well, so fast that... <sighs> you haven't seen enough of the show, but maybe... Alf being from another planet, he almost has a certain uh, he's almost a little naive to other people. So, he's very open and friendly to other people. And you'll pick it up throughout the show how he's always calling into TV shows, calling into radio, doing all kinds of stuff over the phone and stuff until he has to get seen. But he's just so naivete, that's the word I was looking for. He has a naivete towards the world, so he's very... uh, opening other people his world is very small mm-hmm. <clears throat> but uh this drives the point home and then it turns out that the detainers are going to have thanksgiving dinner after all and it's turkey franks and they offer pete to stay in which at which point uh it's made known that they, uh, to pete that the alien task force is right outside <laughs> yeah and they go, excuse me while I go wash my hands. <laughs> I do a wash up. <laughs> Don't be long. Dinner will be ready in precisely 40 seconds. <laughs> that was a, either a long 40 seconds or while they are singing the Thanksgiving song while Pete's taking care of business. She's just letting those Franks get cold and she... And did she pull those out of the freezer? Because she, yeah, forty seconds is pretty quick for her stuck in the freezer, right? Because yeah, she took them out of the freezer; they were like frozen, and then she puts them into the, yeah, <laughs> in the microwave, and it's like, oh, in forty seconds, it's like, oh, really? They wouldn't even be warm <laughs> or cooked. It's still these frozen solid. Yeah. <laughs> She's got some kind of hyper radioactive microwave. 
Maybe. Maybe Pete's the safe one. He's hiding outside from the radiation coming out of that microwave. Cake <laughs> and nuke cake and nuke turkey franks in 40 seconds that were frozen solid right before she put them in the freezer. Mm. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> your thoughts on and so Pete goes out and tells and we uh, thing we glossed over is one of the things that uh Alf and Pete were discussing was where Alf was from, from Melmac. And um, Pete does, it, it goes back to the beginning of the episode where Pete's reading the star map and he's discussing things with Willie, how he told Willie the, the date, the map is out of, out of a uh, date. And he uh, also found out that Pete worked with some kind of space program for every branch of the military he was in. So he, how he compared himself to Alf being in the orbit guard on Melmac, so he they established that connection. But um, Pete does one thing we don't get uh, we gloss over too is how Pete is able to break down where Alf is from just by looking at Alf's traits with his ears and the fur and the nose, uh, and how quickly he's able to do that and scientific uh, intellectually. Very well, very intellectually break down where Alpha's from, just sight unseen. So it becomes back where he guesses, Alf guesses he thinks he's from Niesbeck, which is a barren planet. (laughs) (laughs) Which, fast forward to the end of the episode, and then General Fox shows up. He tells, uh, he tells General Fox he's the alien from planet Niesbeck. Their state bird. What's the what's the state bird of Niesbeck? Uh, dust. Good job. <laughs> you got one. <laughs> I did. Yay! <laughs> Our state bird, dust. <laughs> so good on. So Pete does the right thing. And I've been noticing that Tanner's uh, crisis has been uh, the a crisis they were unaware of has been averted, and Alpha is safe for another day. Mm-hmm. And uh, another minor plot point throughout the whole two episodes is that Brian has Brian is practicing for a, uh, a play about the Pilgrims. Uh, you see it during part of the first episode, and you see it in this episode where Alpha's helping him rehearse lines, and. Um, it is revealed that Lynn, Lynn comes up with the idea that Alf can see the play from the park on Black Friday through a uh, picnic basket that's hollowed out. Mm. And of course, they uh, invite Pete to come, and unfortunately, he can't. But uh, then at the end, we get uh, once, excuse me, we get a revisit to the play again, this time in full costume. And Different uh, Alf comes out to mixed reviews. Lynn, oh, he's so cute. <laughs> but the victims of this, though, <laughs> Kate's feather duster and Willie's favorite belt, which another common theme of the show is Alf. Not only is Alf known for eating, causing mayhem, but he's known for um, damaging. He, he's known for causing a lot of damage. 
which things that get referenced in his list of do's and don'ts are in the episode, like blowing up the kitchen, which you see that what Alf does at one point, he blows up the kitchen, he does all kinds of stuff. <laughs> Except uh, Alf was just a giant four-year-old. Yeah. Definitely. <clears throat> so we get, we get the heartfelt closing of the episode where we talk about the pilgrims coming over and so there's just a huge uh, exposition dump from Lynn reading the, the play. It sounds like this play is mostly exposition. It's a very thin script that she's holding in her hand. Yeah. <laughs> Not much to it. <laughs> uh, and Willie drops us with a heartfelt line of, uh, and one from Mel Mack. Hits you right in the heartstrings, make you feel all good for Fat Piano. Mm-hmm. Almost any other thoughts up to this point? Um, yeah, definitely. Like, it's all, you know, the, yeah, the second episode again is, yeah, that, um, you know, getting deep in the shenanigans, whatever, and then solving the problem, and it ends, you know, in a good way. And, you know, um, as I kind of, you know, said in the first episode, too, that, um, you know, it's fun. You know, it's it's got your your, you know, had those like serious moments, but then it had that that lighthearted, okay, feel good, fuzzy, you know, warmness at the end. You know, so yeah, no, I like that. And it's it's like I said, this was probably one of the heaviest, probably the heaviest the show ever got. I think of. Maybe get those moments when Alf misses his planet. Like there's some, you get a lot of episodes where it becomes very real to Alf that uh, he's alone. He's abandoned here on Earth. He knows nobody. Mm-hmm. So it, it, those are some of the moments where the show gets heavy. But it's a good heartfelt up. It's it's a good up. It's not. It's not too corny, and I think it holds up pretty well for being a 31-year-old episode. Mm-hmm. The show in itself, I think, holds up very well, too, with the effects and everything. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't, like, I, yeah, I, um, yeah, I didn't find it, like, cheesy or anything. I thought it was, it was really good. Like, a good cast of characters, and, and, um, you know, and I think, you know, like with, you know, that, you know, like you were saying, like it gets, you know, in this episode especially is when it gets kind of the, like sort of the heaviest. And, but I think you need that. You can't always have, you know, you can try to have all lighthearted and fun, but I think you, you have to have that realness. Like, you know, Alf being the only one and just, yeah, wouldn't you if you were, you know, in his shoes, you know, like, not that he wears shoes, but, you know, if you were him and you're this lonely alien, it's like, yeah, you'd be missing your planet. You would be, you know, so I think, you know, it's right to have those those real moments, you know, and, uh, you know, so... Yeah. Well, you do find out that other you do find out other Melmachians did survive the explosion too. So, so mm. there's episodes that touch on that too. That other Melmachians did survive. So Alpha isn't totally alone, but he's alone on Earth. 
That's true. Yeah. With his, uh, with his, with his family. Yeah. There's, there's always that. There's always, you know, oh, I'm the only one, and well, you know, there's, there's others, you know. So, kind of, you know, kind of reminds me a bit of Doctor Who, you know, the Doctor. He's, you know, there's one episode where he meets this Professor Yana, and Yana is acronym for "You Are Not Alone." And the Doctor finds that out at the end. And he kind of has a flashback to when he meets another alien, the face of Bo. And that, you know, you are not alone. And he pieces that together and it's like, oh, that's this guy that he met. And so, yeah, he's, you know, he's the last of the Time Lords, but there's another one. So, you know, so it's kind of that same thing where, you know, others have survived and he's, yeah, he's the only one, Alpha's the only one on Earth, but you know, or he at least he knows that there's others. You know, so. Whenever I think of you are not alone, I think of uh, General Zod from Man of Steel. You are not alone. Hmm. That too. But uh, and then we get one last uh, joke before the credits of uh, everybody saying goodbye to Pete. Oh, sure, we can't take you somewhere. Like, oh no, this time of year I'm down in Florida. A lot of rich widow, a lot of rich, was a lot of rich blue hairs, a lot of rich widows with uh, lots of change, loose, lots of loose change. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I hope we keep in touch. Well, we should. He has our phone. <laughs> <laughs> I love the reaction. Is like, oh, what? Uh, uh, <laughs> not really sure how to react. <laughs> <laughs> uh most of closing thoughts on turkey in the straw part one and two i i enjoyed it um i thought it was a good solid definitely a solid episode and and you know i wasn't sure um what to expect really from watching this like being my first time so um yeah, I definitely after watching this episode, I um, I think it was a it was a good episode to like start off with. Maybe it was like that good seriousness and humor, and you know, so um, yeah, it definitely makes me want to watch some more episodes of of Elf. So yeah, well, definitely with Christmas coming up, there is a Christmas episode you can always check out too. Yes. There is uh, two Christmas episodes, but they had they had like a real huge, like a real special. There's at least two Christmas episodes, but one of them, one of them is more of like a half hour, hour long special. Oh, okay. And and I definitely was scrolling through episodes, but there is a Christmas one. I think it's in this season, which is what season three. Yes, season three, I believe. But, uh. Overall, I'd say this is a good episode too. I've I've seen this this show doesn't this episode doesn't or this this these two episodes together don't catch a lot of love, um, mostly because shows that do Thanksgiving reviews either they don't talk about it or they don't talk well about it. Um, mm-hmm. I was trying to find some trivia for the show for this these two episodes in particular online. I couldn't find anything. Well. So that's why I was trying to spitball like, well, was. Was getting David Ogden Styers a good get for the show because this was what 
little over five years removed from MASH going off the air. And I'm trying to play the entire series in my head, and I don't remember is a ton of big stars being on the show. Like I know there's a <clears throat> episode where Alf takes over for Johnny Carson, and you get um, you get uh, Rich Little and Ed McMahon on there, and um, I can't remember the name of the doctor from the zoo that Johnny Carson always had, but. Yeah, I don't remember a ton of E. James stars, at least besides those handful being on the show at all. Mm-hmm. I was thought that maybe David, I, I, maybe it's just me. I mean, I'm alone thinking getting David Eichenstiers was just a huge get at this point. Um, oh. like a huge guest star. Like, what? You're only five years removed from Mash at this point. Yeah, it's still fairly recent, and you know. Um, character of winchester came around in season four i believe um because he replaced frank burns because he frank burns went crazy and he left and then enter in winchester and so he was on for a good number of years and he was certainly a you know a good solid character and you know people followed it throughout the years and you know so they would still know him Right, they would know him as Winchester and recognize him, and like, oh, you know, I, he's from Mash. So, you know, to see, you know, if they might have heard something that, oh, he was going to be in the episode or something, and, you know, that that probably would have been, or that surprise of, oh, he's, you know, so I think it would have been a good get for them, at least for, you know, viewers and or even new viewers who were fans of, you know. Um, like fans of Winchester or whatever, you know, to watch the episode. So, I think so. Especially if they didn't have, you know, a lot of big stars or anybody, you know, guest starring in it. So, yeah. Oh, Turkey and the Straw Part 1 and 2 from Season 3 of ALF. We both enjoyed it. We both loved it. I have more of a nostalgia for it, but I'm sure once Melissa watches more of the show, she's going to enjoy it more and more, too. <clears throat> Don't believe all the negative stuff you see online about it. It's a good episode. It's in how, especially how hip 80s stuff is now, plus with an ALF reboot in the works, apparently, with Paul Fusco. <clears throat> yeah, it's been in the works for a while. I haven't heard much lately on it, but... <clears throat> but, uh... It's been talks of an ALF reboot, but um, with a different, not with the Tanners, but uh, with a different family. And there was a movie, because the last episode of the show from season four ends with a cliffhanger. Like 10 years later, they released, uh, almost 10 years later, they released a movie, a TV movie called Project ALF, which was kind of a huge letdown. <clears throat> but uh, yeah, there's been rumors of a reboot in the works, but uh. If you have, if you can find it, I, I watched the DVD. Melissa, where did you watch it? I found I found it on Amazon Prime, and they have Amazon Prime. I think I, I think it's on YouTube also. Yeah, yeah, that was the first place I had looked because I thought, oh, Netflix, and then I I saw it on, um, yeah, Amazon Prime, and they have yeah all they just did four seasons, or is there more? Because they have. I I, I think it's four. Okay, so I think they it's have only four seasons. seasons. 
on uh, Amazon. It ran, it ran like 86, 87. I think it ran from like 1986 to 1990. Yeah. So, uh, Turk and Straw, part one and two. Find it. Watch the sing game with your family. Watch it with your cats. <laughs> yeah. Sit around the fat piano tree, open your presents, and watch Trick and Strauss Part 1 and 2. It's, <laughs> not usual. it's got your classic Alf jokes in it, but it's got some heart to it. We highly recommend it. Definitely. So, from our podcast to all of you out there, Melissa and I wish you all a happy Thanksgiving down here in the States. Happy Fapiano to everybody all around the world. Now, it's finally Thanksgiving, so now we can get to another holiday we're passionate about, Christmas. (laughs) I love Christmas. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. But uh, not as much as as Halloween, but I do love Christmas. Mm. So guys, uh, stay tuned. We're going to be bringing you some Christmas goodies. It might not all be podcast episodes, but maybe we'll throw some videos on there. But uh, we're going to bring you some Christmas goodies this year, guys. So, Melissa, why don't you take us out tonight? Well, I guess, yeah, before we go, you can, um, if you haven't followed us on Facebook already, um, you can find us at United Nations Podcast on Facebook. You can give our page a like. Um, we post, you know, all our episodes on there. Um, we'll post random things that we might talk about in episodes. Um, like just recently, I posted a picture of my Vincent Price pin that I have on my purse because um, I had mentioned it in a uh, previous episode of a podcast. And um, I also posted the link where I got the pin. So if you wanted to get one, you could go there. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we're also on Twitter um, at uh, Nerdnited Nations Podcast, or our Twitter handle is at Nerdnited Pod. So you can, um, whatever um, social media platform you use, you can find us on there. Um, if you want to follow our, uh, follow the hosts, um, you can, you know, find me on Twitter and Instagram um, at Miss Melissa N. I think uh, Instagram is at Miss Melissa N, all lowercase. And then, um, Twitter is uh, at capital M I S S underscore capital M and M E L I S S A capital N. So at Miss Melissa N. It's a little bit different on Twitter because social media doesn't like me and I can't be consistent. So sorry for any confusion there. <laughs> but don't blame me. <laughs> and um, where can they find you, Jared? I'll let you do that. <laughs> <laughs> you can find me in the tweets and Instagrams at QCA Mr. J. And uh, also don't forget to like and subscribe to us on iTunes and leave us a review so more people can find us. Leave us five stars. Leave us four stars. Leave us three. Leave us two. Leave us one. Recommend us. Spread the name around. Still working on getting us on uh, Google Play Store and Stitcher. <clears throat> but, uh, yeah, don't forget to leave a review, like, and subscribe to us. You can also still find us on Podbean, too. Our, that's our that's the official headquarters of Nerd United Nations, but you can also find us on iTunes or our Apple Podcasts. So, mm-hmm. 
leave a review and uh leave a review let's know how we're doing because our moms say we're good our moms say, our moms say we're cool but we want to hear what you guys think yeah we have we uh yeah, we want to hear from you definitely. So, um, besides of our moms, we want to know that you know from you that we're cool. So, <laughs> we need the vindication. Damn it! <laughs> yes. <laughs> so Melissa, take us home. As always, we gotta. I don't know. Quote Gilbert Little. The, his most famous quote ever. I'm a nerd and uh, pretty proud of it. <laughs> Good night, guys. <laughs> Happy Fapiano. The thoughts and opinions expressed by your ambassadors and their guests are theirs and theirs alone. And do not represent the companies they happen to work for. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening, guys. <laughs>